Welcome to WP Tonic Roundtable Podcast, where a panel of leading WordPress junkies discusses the latest WordPress and internet stories of the week. Now, on with the show with your moderator, Jonathan Denwood. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Roundtable Show. Every Friday at 8.30 Pacific Standard Time, you can watch this on the um, WP Tonic Facebook page and on the WP Tonic YouTube channel. We're spreading an outreach globally, listeners and viewers. Oh, dear. Um, I've got a great panel. Got um, got a special guest. We've got Joe Casabona joining us again. Um, most welcome. And I think I've rustled, with the um, panel's help, I think I've rustled up some reasonable stories. I'm going to let the panel quickly let themselves introduce themselves, and then we'll be off on the races. So, John... John, would you like to quickly introduce yourself? Yeah, uh, John from LockdownSEO.com. That's great. And Sally, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Sally Gett from WPFangirl.com. And my great interview co-host, Stephen. Stephen, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, Stephen Satter from Zipfish.io. And our great guest, Joe. Joe, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm uh, Joe Casabona from uh, creatorcourses.com. And I've got Spencer. Spencer, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure, it's Spence from launchflows.com. And Heather from her stressful journey to Hawaii. There you go. Would you, <laughs> <laughs> would you like uh, to I'm, I'm Heather Wildorenzi from uh, thedifferenceconsulting.com and author of Birth of the Unicorn. Unicorn. There we go. Um, before we go into our main um, stories, I want to talk about our major sponsor. That's Kinster Hosting. Uh, um, Kinster is a WordPress-only hosting provider. Um, what can I say about Kinster? They host the WP Tonic site. They are seen as one of the most premier WordPress hosting providers on the market at the present time. Um, if you've got a client's website that needs performance, i.e. WooCommerce, a learning management, a medium to large membership site, you need quality hosting. And I think Kinster has one of the best performance to price metrics on the market at the present moment. So go over there, have a look at what they've got to offer. I suggest you should buy one of their packages. And if you do do that, please tell Kinsta that you heard about them on the WP Tonic Show. It helps Kinsta and it does help the show. I just want to say that um, this will be the last week that Kinsta will be the major sponsor of the show. I've been extremely blessed for them being a sponsor. I think they've been the sponsor of the show for almost three years now, and they've just been a great company to work with. And their team, their top management, Tom, their chief financial officer, they've all been great people, and they're just a great company. Um, obviously, after three years, they thought it was time for a break. That's totally understandable. And I will be, um, I've got a new major sponsor that I will be announcing next week, which I'm very excited about. And um, I'm sure you're going to be fascinated about their products. And um, hopefully, we move on. Uh, um, so, on to. The first story, first story, right. Um, upcoming changes and steps for overhaul WordPress theme review system. Which of the panel wants to start with this? 
come on, volunteer, or I'll select one of you. Go on, Joe. What do you think of this? Well, uh, you said Joe, right? Joe, not John. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, so um, I, I think that certainly something needs to be done. Right. The last time I was here, we talked about, um, you know, some over, some changes in the the plugin uh, review process and anonymizing emails and things like that. Um, I think that some of the I'm well. First of all, I read this article and I'm like a little unclear about what the actual changes are. It sounds very kind of nebulous at right now. It's like we're thinking about doing some stuff, but I suspect uh, that anything that happens will go through a lot of discussion and then very little will happen. Um, as far as changes I think need to happen um, is it, we need to enable use, uh, theme developers uh, to to be able to, I don't want to, I, I guess monetize is maybe the word that is best suited here, but I think we need a way to enable theme developers to make some sort of income without cannibalizing the theme repository and things like that. Um, and uh, I, I hope these changes bring that about, right? Because what was it? Like a few months ago, uh, Astra got kicked, like banned for like a day. Um, uh, and because they had affiliate links in there. Um, in, in their theme and stuff like that. But it's also like one of the most popular themes in the marketplace. Uh, I just think that we need to incentivize. I guess here's the point. Here's the, 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 the one sentence to that long ramble is that we need to incentivize theme developers to create good themes. And we can't do that under the current review system. That's, that's a really good point about like incentive incentivizing theme developers because like I think more of the problem here is they're saying like hey we're not getting great themes well the incentive to create great themes is being reduced with every Gutenberg push like of course there's a problem in the theme world like WordPress is moving out of that like as more and more page builders get on the market as Gutenberg keeps getting developed like even if you can create a premium theme and you do have a good way of monetizing it. It'd be like WordPress itself is making it harder and harder to monetize themes. So um, it's it's going to be a problem until uh, like you figure out where themes are supposed to belong in the WordPress ecosystem again. Because to me, it feels like I'm not sure how a theme fits in with Gutenberg and with all the plugins that you're running on your site anymore. Like it's kind of this weird space. And if I was going to get into somewhere, I would start thinking about, you know, plugin development. I wouldn't like instantly go to theme. Whereas maybe five years ago, I would have been like, oh, themes. Yeah, that's awesome. Like I'm going to build something really cool. Yeah, I think I think you're right, Brett. I'm just butting in for a little bit. But I think you're totally right, Stephen. But I think it's just the technical difficulty of doing it compared to a couple of years ago. You know, you got Gutenberg, and then, it's, and then you've got to make sure it works with Beaver Builder, Animator, Oxygen, Breezely. You've got to make sure that it works with these page builders. <laughs> And then, uh, well, and the then page we get, builder then, should work with the theme if the theme is 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 well, built in a, all, a fairly standard top, way. It? It's all on top. Plus, the expectation of what a theme should do has gone up, hasn't it? So, I just think it's just a lot more difficult. What do you reckon, Spencer? I'm okay, not but, sure what the expectation of what a theme should do actually. Is I mean, you know, people who are fans of of Astra are fans partly because um, 
you know, there's all these templates and things, and partly because you can customize a lot of stuff in terms of colors and and so on. But it's also built like purposely as, you know, more or less a blank canvas to use your builder on. And so well, that's like less, it dictates less in a lot of ways than uh, themes that were popular a few years ago. I see it's more of a kind of framework because it's one of these kind of frame, Astra's like one of these kind of framework themes, isn't it? They're, they're, you know, a bit like Genesis, really, isn't it? You know, you know, Genesis was a, you had a parent theme, but you had all these child themes. It you was still a, do. It, and you still do, doesn't it? So I, I just see Astra <laughs> as, as one of those. So, so, when right, I'm, out, so when I'm out by the barn changing my wagon wheel. Um, <laughs> so the, I want to just comment. First of all, glad to see Chip Bennett is alive and kicking. Haven't seen his comments in the tavern in oh low so many years, but he was always an interesting uh, and well thought out commenter. Um, the horse has left the stable on this whole conversation about themes because this week in particular, and by the way, this is completely in support of Stephen's position, but taking it further is that this week you will see a rash of releases coming from everybody from, um, you know, the authors of the Astra theme to uh, Fluent CRM to, um, you know, the Gutenberg block, the Gutenberg hub and so forth. Across all of the page builders and across WordPress in general are another layer. The new layer is pre-made blocks or sections, but then dynamic pieces inside of those sections mixed with automation sections so in the past, we had WordPress and then a theme. And oh, the theme did everything and you baked it in. Then we had this thing for the last year, you know, matured the page builder slash editor. But guess what? Now we've gone more, 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 more granular by three levels. So now you have to be kind of out of your mind to invest as a theme author in writing a theme when everybody's going to ignore it anyway and go five steps further down the granular path. And what this is, is exactly what they're talking about. It is a race to the cash register because right now you've got Brainstorm Force, Sujay's company, who is really killing it with the core Astra, the Astra Pro starter templates. Now they're dynamic content, whatever, and they interact with various plugins. Then you've got Everybody at Elementor, the entire huge team. Then you've got, you know, the Gutenberg and so on and so forth. And all of them are trying to make their own vertical ecosystem, wherein you have WordPress at the core and then their stuff on top of it. And there is absolutely no room, none, for anybody to write a custom theme anymore and throw Buddy Boss into the conversation. I don't want to leave them out of it. I mean, you would just have to have your mind in the toilet to think that it's worth writing a theme today when everybody can snap their fingers and grab a starter blankety blank. That's it. Well, you can grab a starter blankety blank, but it, it will it will not be uh, unique until you've worked on customizing it, right? I Some disagree. of it is, is, the, is the question of, um, you know, uh, uh, it's been some months, but they were talking about basically what amount to HTML themes, block-based themes. Well, yeah. what you do is you put a bu- exactly what people like Elementor are doing. You put a bunch of blocks together and say, this is your site template. Uh, and it's a very different thing structurally from a typical theme. That's not the issue anymore. 
the the issue now is there was a time and back in the early days, you know, Brian, I remember Brian back here and I was there too, coding away PHP, all these custom functionalities. The mechanics of the dynamic websites are now contained in specialized plugins and features, the automation layer. The look and feel are now segregated on the front end to the page builder slash starter template-y things. The theme no longer is the place where all that stuff exists as a cohesive system. So I disagree with your point, respectfully, that while it is true that if you if you take the default starter template so-and-so, it looks like every other one, guess what? Change the hex value, put in your own logo, put in your own images, ta-da. And you can look at even Adam, you know, Adam Presser was just showing how he launched a new video player. He took the cadence theme and just changed the logo, changed the color. Then you look at W... Uh, uh, Fluent CRM, same cadence theme, just their logo. And guess what? Nobody cares because if you need to do the automation inside of there, that's where you throw in the uncanny owl or the WP fusion or the dynamic whatever or the you know the various sales funnel things like I work with. And that's why this conversation. I'm not trying to be argumentative for argumentative sake. It's that the themes are dead. And ironically, themes uh, themes as they were are dead. And I I, I don't know. Maybe there won't be. Uh, you know, I, I don't think we're going to see themes as they were. But what we're going to see is more and more people creating things like you know these clumps of templates that uh, Elementor or Astro or whoever offer you as a starter site in their vertical. Yeah, right? I kind of uh, just want to. I put this. Um, uh, I don't think um, I'll just end it with Joe. Um, Joe, I don't agree with Spencer that themes are dead. I just think what a theme is going to be is going to be different than it is. It was a year ago, and what it is now. What do you just to finish it off, Joe? What do you reckon? Yeah, I think we we kind of saw this rise maybe in like the late aughts, um, where. Uh, like feature-packed themes were the most important thing, right? And as we move into more of the block editor and more advanced blocks and full-site editing, what we'll really need from a theme is just kind of good design elements. Pick a couple of good fonts that work nice with each other, a couple of good color schemes, and then suggested color palettes. And, and font and color are like 80% design, says the developer. Um, but the content and laying it all out, that's all going to be controlled by the blocks. And the the smart theme developers will create something that's lightweight, that loads quickly, that supports full site editing, but looks nice out of the box. Because as much as I love Astra, I spend like hours trying to, oh, what font should I use? And oh, I'll just use Roboto again, whatever. Like that's just the font I always use or whatever. So uh, I think the smart. Well, yes, design skills like don't like magically come along with having tools to do design with, right? And that's that that's what I'm saying, right? The design skills are the things that the theme developers can focus on now, instead of making like a killer 404 page and all of these template parts to make sure that you have a fully customizable archive or whatever. It's it's they can focus more on the design skills because we have full site editing and block patterns and and et cetera. That's great. Let's go on to story two. Microsoft's in talks to buy Discord for more than ten billion. What did you think of this one, Heather? So yeah, when I was reading this, I was like, "Well, finally, somebody's going to make Discord usable." Because um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, Discord is. I mean. I, 
I like Discord, but I mean, for most people, unless you're a hardcore gamer, Discord has been the hardest uh, user experience for anyone to come on. Like it's, it's, and I guess the streamers are are going to be like all up in arms if, if it suddenly has like all these extra usability features and, and things that, that make a product mainstream. But um, like if Microsoft... they wouldn't be so elite anymore for being able I, to use it. Yeah, I know. I mean, oh my God. Discord, there's so many good, good things about it, but... Yeah. No, I, I really hate Discord. I, I really, really do. And um, I, I think Microsoft will, like, the acquisition is only going to make it better. All right. What do you reckon, John? Yeah, it'd be interesting. So Microsoft, they already own Minecraft. That is correct. So, I mean, maybe this is a natural pairing, but, you know, they own a lot of stuff, too. Uh, they own another company that we're going to talk about in, uh, I think, in story four. So, but, you know, hey, there's, um, it probably fits into their scheme of whatever. So I personally uh, don't use Discord a lot, but, you know, I know people who game and they use it. So, you know, I'm sure they'll be. I've, I've never really been in the gaming area. What about you, Stephen? What do you reckon about this story? I think if Microsoft actually acquires Discord, Discord will no longer be around in five years. The the magic of Discord is like it's super niche, like nerdy, like me and my friends are here. Nobody else is. Discord, I think, loses a lot of its functionality once you bring it mainstream. And I would not be interested in a mainstream Discord. There's enough other platforms out there that I can use. Um, And the only reason why I like Discord is because it's weird. But that's just, I don't know. Who knows if that's actually true? That's just what, 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 what my guess Yeah, I mean, Microsoft acquisitions, like, sometimes they seem to go very well, and sometimes not so much. Um, I mean, you know, Skype. <clears throat> LinkedIn, uh, God knows what they're doing there. I don't even think they know what they're doing. Like, so. like a, main, a mainstream Discord is just like Slack, pretty much, right? Like, it's like, like yeah, like the, the cool things about Discord are the things that like are not mainstream and like aren't so corporate. Well, Slack's just going to get more corporate since the acquisition by Salesforce. Uh, and now, like, if I don't know if Discord heads that way, like, I don't know why I would hop on Discord versus Slack. The the Google the difference between like there's a joke in there somewhere because when Microsoft buys companies. They essentially break them. When Google makes companies, they kill them. And I think that's the difference, is that the Discord will die a death by a thousand cuts of being tweaked until it's things like Skype, which has become sort of unusable, or at least not catching up. There was an amazing product called Skitch long ago for the Mac. I still have like a vintage copy that was so powerful by itself, and then Microsoft got its hooks into it. Sounds like Heather knows what I'm talking about. Wait, but the idea wait, is like... Sketch the writing pro- project? The one that you could screen grab stuff and then edit. That was bought by Evernote. Oh, Evernote. Oh, is your company bought it? Oh, <laughs> I, I blamed the wrong company that, for that, the that does That does seem like a perfect acquisition for Evernote to buy something I, I, like that. I'm sorry, you know what? You're right now. 
Evernote put the, the knife into the heart of that product. Sorry. I, the, dude, I love Skitch and we, we didn't kill it. Yeah, I know. You guys just broke the crap out of it. But like, if you go back to the vintage version of it, it was like, it was like a butter knife. It just did everything it needed to do. And then they tried to make it in a million things it didn't in all the core functions. But nevertheless, if you look at all the acquisitions of Microsoft, they don't tend to kill their investments like outright or bury them, which is otherwise a good theory for competitive. Like if Facebook bought this, you you would find its body in the river in a bag in 20 years, but you wouldn't know what happened to it. But Microsoft won't do that. It'll just be like Stephen, I think, says, the people who think it's cool will will go, eh, it's not so cool anymore. Right, you know? yes, we have to find someplace else to go that's that's more elite. And it is kind of like, you know, uh, you know, grown-ups started to get onto Facebook and the kids were like, we're out of here. We don't want our parents watching <laughs> our conversations. Right. I just want to come to Microsoft's defense here. Uh, I think that since Satya Nadella has taken over Microsoft, things have gotten better, right? They acquired GitHub and made things like private repositories free uh linkedin is still well they've doing, and they've been oh, oh, wait 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 wait, wait, wait 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 i i linkedin is doing very well they acquired linda and now their learning platform is is growing considerably um i think uh, but i i do agree that like discord is where the cool kids go that that uh, don't want to be on Slack. And we're seeing that even outside the gaming community. I will also say that Microsoft Teams is very good. Uh, and so I'd be interested to see how they, uh, how they take Teams and Discord and, and maybe they're going after different audiences there or maybe they want to, you know, get parts from it and move it into Teams. I'll be very curious to see what they, w- what they would do with that. I haven't right. used Discord. Does it have features that Teams doesn't? And, and what are they? There's like a lot of community-based features there. You can like you can uh, like easily uh, boot people and things like that. There's it's, like this audio. It's weird, Stephen. You probably know better than me. Well, it's far more extensible. Like like Discord gives you a lot more control than what like Microsoft Teams does. Like Microsoft Teams feels like you have to show up and wear your suit and tie. And you know, sit down and, and do do the do the thing that you, that that your company wants you to do. Discord just like you're hanging out and you can do a bunch of quirky stuff and you can run your own your own servers and do like some fun things like around that. Um, where Microsoft, you know, Teams doesn't let you do that. Yes, right. I, I I just want to say, yeah, I mean, I think Microsoft has done a lot of very good things and they're doing a lot of stuff in terms of opening up their own uh, products. But it it does occasionally happen that something uh, you know withers after an acquisition. Right, on to story three. The future of Kondara Forms um, looks like it's coming to an end. What did you reckon about this one, Joe? Uh, I, I, thought the, uh, I thought when they were acquired by Ninja Forms, it was uh, interesting. Um, because I, I didn't really see, uh, I, didn't, I didn't really see a difference, a, such a big difference in the two offerings. Um, and I just figured, you know, they were probably just going for um, uh, a user grab, right? And I know James Law is very well, and he wouldn't just do that. But I think that over time, they probably, exactly what the post said, uh, they found that there was a lot of overlap in the features um, and supporting two different forms apps and two different 
uh, or plugins and two different code bases is is very difficult. I think they're doing right by the Caldera users, right? Because um, they're grandfathering uh, the paid um, members in. They're they're offering a pretty steep discount for for free users and things like that. So I I think probably when it happened, this was the most likely outcome. Um, but I'm I'm glad that they didn't just jump to that like six months in. Um, they they waited a couple of I think it was a couple of years, right? Um, to to make a more data driven decision. I thought the you acquisition know, was a little more recent, but it's uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm surprised that they didn't like get it that that they appealed to the same user base because. Uh, when I've used Caldera Forms, it's been because of the drag and drop uh, builder and the and the way you could lay stuff out and the not you know I wasn't using like developer features in it. I was using it because it was a you know a free form plugin with a lot of tools and where you could make a nice looking theme. Yeah, well, I also think. I think they always had like a close relationship with pods, didn't they? And it was kind of seen as a way of making um, front interfaces um, to pods. And if you wanted to custom use custom posts without really going into the nitty gritty of the code, but then you had the modern page builders, and I think the necessity for such a integration died down a bit. Do you think I'm a bit right about that, Spencer, or, or just going off on a tandem? I mean, the space? difficulty with the form space is that it's really competitive in the WordPress. Yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, you got you have WP Forms, which is obviously killing it with the backing that it's got. And then you've got, let's say, the more plug-in-y things that are new, uh, like Fluent Forms, but then there's the granddaddy of all is Gravity Forms. You've got Contact Form 7. I mean, I can go on and on and on and on, and even inside the page builders of Forms. I think this is like another example, though, of how in a world where everybody is bringing their own ingredients or their own dish to a potluck dinner, at some point, somebody has to organize the potluck dinner, and this is the space I find myself as well, of saying, hey, guess what? Here's some vertical buckets of things that work together and you know you can pick your favorite and stick with it but there's no point in like denying if you're going into the space that it's not as simple as trying to convince like everybody to use your product there's going to be everybody like football team fans in their own camp of i like this and i like this and i like this and caldera probably realized like hey we got to focus a little bit and you know do something else what what do you reckon john yeah, I think it was probably inevitable. Um, I it, does anybody know is is Josh still working for? Yeah, as far as I know, still, yes. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, you know, um, every product has a, a life cycle, and when you're acquired, eventually you get folded in, right? So, and and like as we've been saying, you know, Caldera Forms is. It has a lot of overlap with Ninja Forms. Um, so, you know, maybe it's time uh, for for those users to move over to Ninja Forms. I mean, that's kind of the goal. I know WP Forms, they own like another form company too, right? 
another company that does that, but uh, they don't. they it was oh my gosh, it's um uh it was in the the Syed's accelerator, but I don't think it's owned. And I'm compl- I like Stephanie. I'm totally blanking on the name and yeah. the owners. But I mean, Syed's got so much formidable great, great stuff behind the WP forms that that I. I it's like Coke, Pepsi, you know, like flavors of cola. They all essentially do the same thing now. They've all reached a level of maturity where there's a few exceptions. They all do the same thing. So now it's like, who do you want to give the money to? And it tends to be like, if you're a fan of, you know, WP Beginner and Saeed's and everything else, you're going to follow maybe their vertical of stuff. Just like in the old days with Joe Farmer, everybody would go with WPMU and you were kind of a rebel, but you bought into the whole line of WPMU plugins. And I don't mean the translation, I mean the, you know, multi-user. And here we've got the similar thing going on where I'm seeing this every day because we're constantly analyzing which things work together, right? That's my focal point. And I find it really a nightmare for most users, which makes a great opportunity for me of like, wait a second, I need 30 ingredients and each ingredient has seven competitors and they're all doing exactly the same thing. And which one do I possibly use? Can somebody help me out here? Um, which is an exciting yeah, well, uh, place for us to be, but it's yeah, hard for the end user. I think it's great to have that choice, but, you know, when you have all those choices, yeah, you know, having an editor, having somebody, you know, that becomes important. So just to finish off this, um, what, what in general, what's the panel's um, opinion of the new Gravity Forms. What, what, what do you, what, if you had time to play with it, Sammy, what do you think of I've it? I've looked at it a little bit, and it is, um, I mean, you know, Gravity Forms has needed an updated interface for a while, uh, and it's, uh, it, you know, it's it's finally getting that, and that's good. Uh, you know, I use Gravity Forms partly because it's got a lot of features and integrations, but substantially because I got grandfathered into an, an, an inexpensive, uh, you know, all-in plan. And so for me as a developer, it, it's the best option, Um you know, and it's not, I've, I've never really found a, a thing with it that I couldn't do. Uh, but on the styling side, it's, it's been, you know, not as, not, not as easy to deal with sometimes as, as some stuff. So I'm looking forward to that being released. The upside of Gravity Farms is compatibility. The downside is that they've worked with a good team to make a new builder and it, God knows they needed it because it was always a bit limiting. Like you need to use an Elementor plugin to fix the output of Gravity Forms because it looks so off. But the downside of the way they approached it, and it's unfortunate, I think, is that while they were working on their own internal builder, they maybe would have, could have, should have just used the other builders that are already existing to do the same thing. And then they would have had universal compatibility. As it is now, you still have to, you know, it kind of follows the, the, the norms, but you still have to learn another methodology to build your gravity forms layouts when you're already, as a newbie, learning six other ones. And I would encourage anybody who, is not in our tech space to realize that like even those of us in the tech space, when I go to use a new like video editor or something, I know the metaphors of what I'm looking for, but it's hard. Like I got to go in there and spend a week learning where all the little shells are buried in the sand. And to have to do that across two, three, four, five, six plugins and your theme builder and your page builder and your editor. I mean, 
that's there, why there is a constant learning. learning thing. Like, mind you, I mean, at least we're not back in the the, the days of the Mark One and, and ENIAC when, like, first you have to look at the electrical circuit diagram to figure out how this thing works, and then you can write a program for it. Um, oh, well, I'm still doing that. There we go. Uh, um, so um, let's go for our break panel, and we'll be back in a few moments. LaunchFlows turns your WooCommerce website into a selling machine. We make it easy to create gorgeous sales funnels, no friction checkouts, order bumps, upsells, downsells, and much more. Gain full control over your buyer's journey from the top of your WooCommerce sales funnel all the way to the bottom. Best of all, you can use your favorite page builder, such as Elementor, Divi, Beaver Builder, Gutenberg, or one of the high-converting templates we've included inside. Get rid of the clunky WooCommerce shop pages and checkout process in favor of an optimized buyer flow that instantly increases conversions and makes you more money. LaunchFlows provides one-click order bumps that increase the total value of every sale with a 10 to 30% conversion rate. This is perfect for anyone offering complimentary products, training, or extended warranties. With unlimited upsells and downsells, your buyer's journey doesn't need to end at the checkout. Instead, we make it easy to display a series of additional offers as part of the original transaction. This is perfect for one-time offers, related products, mastermind class offers, high-ticket software sales, or subscription supplements. Not an expert? Don't worry. We've got the training and the consultation you need. WP Launchify will teach you how to get the most out of launch flows with personal consultation on WordPress, WooCommerce, marketing automation, and much more. If you want to earn more money with your WooCommerce online business, you owe it to yourself to try launch flows today. Come back. Well, we've had quite a civilized discussion. Uncle Spence seems reasonably right. I think I'm using a, a, a new um, streaming software and, and Uncle Spencer's helping me. I think he's occupied with that. So he's more calm. I'm actually, I'm, I'm thinking yeah. that once we get this up to speed, we'll have some fun. I, I would like people to know that if you're watching this on Facebook or YouTube and you have comments during the show, if you type them in, they appear here and we can make them show up as easy as this. And I think that would be interesting if you want to be You got me extremely worried there. You got me extremely worried. I mean, there's lots of other stuff that we'll be able to do, but I think we're working on it. Like, I, I don't know if it's going to be useful, but like if we have somebody who wants to be the focal point, you know, we can solo their video and all this stuff. But right now I like the fact that this works, whereas that Zoom thing, you were always fighting it every week, I think. Yes, although one thing I've just discovered about uh, Zoom from my last meetup is that their live caption system works really well. It does. Zoom, zoom. <laughs> I just like saying zoom, zoom. I'm sorry. I think that irritates you. Yeah, no, that's, that, that's the Mazda. I think that's uh, the thing that irritates you. But I used to like saying zoom, zoom. You're going to have to say stream yard, stream yard. Let's get back on show. Um, I think Heather's going to fall asleep. If I don't get this back online, I think Heather's going to collapse in boredom. Uh, um, so let, let's get this going. Uh, um, uh, what apps for work? Slack is turning into a full message app. What do you reckon about this one, Eva? Oh, my. So there's so many. So this story is about how Slack decided in its infinite wisdom 
to allow people to DM, um, to send a message to anyone <laughs> that has a Slack uh, installation at all. And um, I, I mean, at this point in time, everyone's got a Slack installation. I mean, or has somebody has created one on your behalf on some email. So basically, Slack has now um, created new ways for people to spam you um, or harass you or do something. And um, another beautiful thing is that Slack messages go to email. So if you get... <laughs> All right, so Slack has now caused more spam for everyone and new ways for everyone to get harassed. And it has opened up, I mean, and the security person in me has, like, this has also caused new ways for Slack to um, cause security holes because it now allows you to know that somebody has a Slack account. So you can now figure out ways. Like, okay, so this person, I got my DM through. So now I know that they do have a Slack account somewhere. So now I can figure out a way into that. I mean, so it's bad. It's really, really bad. <laughs> yes, it, it, looks like, it looks like they're backpedaling on, on some of the DM stuff. Uh, I, I noticed this morning there was a, an article about, you know, Slack CEO, uh, uh, apologizes for his unforced <laughs> error. First of all, somebody please tell me what an unforced error is. Um, oh, it's a, uh, uh, error. It's like a, con- right. a conscious uncoupling. I don't know. Right, but uh, uh, um, he says no, no, no. Really, we we uh, 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 were uh, you know it was it was always meant to be uh, double opt in for for those messages uh, and. Oh. Uh, I, I, I don't a, know, but give, if, me a, give me a bright. For yes, it doesn't doesn't sound like it. I mean, people have been. I, I get you know, uh, sign the petition type emails about you know, having Slack set up a, a proper way to block somebody. I mean, it's it's not a thing I've ever felt a need to do on Slack, but I understand that in some you know company environments, there's some creeper somewhere who's like DMing you on your work Slack, and you can't stop them. Absolutely. Um, I don't. I only know. I only know about five percent of how Slack works. If you know, it, it, to say parts of its interface are a mystery to me would be a slight understatement. I don't think it's the greatest interface design ever produced. But there we go. Maybe it's just me getting to that age. What do you reckon, Joe? Am I getting to that age, Joe? No. Don't try uh, Discord, Jonathan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Get off my lawn. An unforced error uh, is a baseball term. Basically, that means that the player just messed up and the ball didn't take a bad hop or anything. They just kind of... They... Forgot in other words, kids. it was in fact his fault. Yes, exactly. Think, do, exactly. Do you, think, do you think there was anybody in the organization that said, this might be a bad idea? Or do yeah. you think it was just. No, just, let's uh, just forge through. We can always apologize later and we'll forget. People will forget in two weeks. Uh, the frustrating but good thing about Slack is that you have a bunch of different workspaces, right? So, like, you can compartmentalize everything. Um, so, like, I feel like Slack is taking one of its best features uh, and just saying, uh, let's just, anybody who's ever used Slack can message anybody else who's ever used Slack. I mean, Twitter has more security than that. So, you know, it's, I don't like it either. That, um, that, that is yeah. saying something. Yeah, right? So. Oh, dear. What do you reckon, John? 
We're going forward. I thought it was summed up perfectly. I saw a tweet the other day and it said, tell me that there is no women on your product development team without telling me there's no women on your product development team. Mm -hmm. Because men, even men in technology, men everywhere in general, try and turn everything into a dating app. And that's exactly what this is going to be. It's just going to be like open harassment because men are thirsty and they just have no manners and no boundaries. So, well, well I don't agree. I've always had manners, I think, you know, uh, I don't know, maybe I'm English. Maybe that's it. There we go. I don't know. Maybe I'm deluding myself, but I don't think I've ever treaded on territory that I was never invited to go. <laughs> The one thing that's kind of funny about the story, I think, and like we're leaning it back to WordPress is it's very similar to the whole uh, like user enumeration kind of problem with WordPress where you can go through and just see every user that is added to an admin system of WordPress. Um, And it felt like they're kind of the same thing. It's like, oh, you want to see what emails people are using for Slack? You want to see how people, you know, accounts that everybody has for Slack? Well, here you go. Yeah, it was probably a data grab, wasn't it? That's really a good point, Stephen. That's probably one of the reasons why they did it, wasn't it? It's That's right. This is just another example of how uh, we need to have a universal rule that if you interact on the web, you have to be yourself verified because the Anthony Wieners of the world can live with whatever they do to themselves in their career. Uh, but if you're allowed to essentially, as John rightfully points out, turn everything into a dating app because that's unfortunately the nature of most men by their their natural instincts, um, you can use your ability to be an anonymous troll to create an enormous amount of havoc. And I think also men tend to be more aggressive in their response and they're immature in their response. So you put all those things together combined with the moronic way that this thing p- panned out, it just it's like a, a, a perfect storm harassment tool by a bunch of well-intentioned but not well-thought-out developers. And this is an example of what should not happen. But if we were to have a rule that says anybody who does it is going to be outed or doxxed, as they say, then I think you're going to see a lot less of the behavior happening. Because you know. Has the Salesforce Slack acquisition like finalized and is complete or is that still like up in the air? Because like I think this is the kind of thing that like everybody was maybe a little excited about Salesforce acquiring Slack because like you know, let's get a look some some grownups at the table who like you know have built something huge and are running something big, and like maybe that would prevent you know weird sort of features like this that maybe should have never saw the light of day. Um, I just yeah, having a cor- grown up corporate that. environment is definitely not a prevention of sexual harassment. I think you're deluding yourself a little bit there, Stephen, but there we go. Never mind. Uh, If they added chat roulette to this feature, that would be the only thing that would make it perfect. So it would be Slack (laughs) with the chat roulette feature that a guy could press the button and just pull up a random woman Slack user in any, like, moment in time. And then just, like, we would all just... (laughs) Wheel of fortune. Just a wheel of fortune, yeah. So, so like back back in the day, I can't I can't remember what. Oh yeah, no, I went on Snapchat as an experiment for a bit, and um, yeah, like on on Twitter, like if you go back in my feed, there there was a uh, a DDC and a number, uh, and I'm not going to explain what DDC was, yeah. 
But uh, that was like from from midnight to midnight, <laughs> how many uh, snaps I, I got sent to me <laughs> on Snapchat just just by having my profile up on Snapchat. So, um, yeah. Lovely. Great way to start the morning. Yes. It would, it would always start at midnight from Australia and, and keep going. So, uh, yeah, women women are not going to love this. All right. Fair enough. All right. All right. There we go. So the douchebags. So, so, when, when there were 10 people using the internet, it was okay, but now it's Yeah, they will. On to the next story. Um, well, when you, there were 10 people using the internet, they were still assholes. Uh, it, it just... Nobody uh, knew it. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Yeah, let's go on to story five. Um, LinkedIn is reporting the creating a service for hiring freelancers. Um, what do you reckon about this one, Heather? So, I mean, I, I think this is good. Um, I mean, on LinkedIn, like you, you generally like on Upwork or wherever you're, you're going to go to LinkedIn right away anyway to see if people have the skills that you're looking for. And on LinkedIn, you can already see their certifications for things if they take the LinkedIn learning classes because they come with certifications at the end. So, um, uh, and there are these yeah. cute little quizzes you can take uh, for for uh, get it to get a LinkedIn badge in in something that you have claimed. There you go. So, yeah, that five dollars will give you get you a cup no, of no, but I mean, at, at least like you've got the recommendations now. You've got the the skills. You've got people. They'd be able to send you little emojis. Well, it's, I mean, you know, I think having LinkedIn do it, and I've seen little blips go by because I, you know, I I use, still use LinkedIn in a sort of desultory fashion. Uh, And, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've seen nudges about this. And it is, I mean, the things, I get contacted by a lot of recruiters and I'm not looking for a full time gig. Uh, and, oh, I don't. No, and, nobody asked and I, me. Well, maybe you haven't spent enough time on LinkedIn. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know, I I pass these there. Mess, messages on to uh, my uh, uh, you know my meetup group and and my Slack channels and and so on in in case anybody is uh, is interested. But to have a better option for saying, you know, what you're looking for is freelance work. And also like pretty much anything except that um, uh, lowest bidder method of selecting freelancers, which is popular in so many places, because that's just gruesome. And I I just, you know, I don't go near sites like that. So, um, Joe, I I just, I want to like, I, I really, Joe, I really do want to like LinkedIn, you know, but I just... They don't ever seem to do everything the way I want it to be done. You know, I, I just don't know what's with them at LinkedIn. Is it just me, Joe? Do I need therapy? Uh, you know, I uh, <laughs> I have expressed the same frustrations to a few friends in different spaces. And they have said that LinkedIn has been very good for them. Um I, I just think it really depends on how you're using it and your goals and things like that. Um, as far as this goes, I feel like it it might, uh, hopefully, I think uh, to a point Sally was making, hopefully it'll kind of reduce the recruiter spam, right, that you get. Because maybe in now instead of saying like, hey, uh, hey, Joe, we have a, 
a a position for a math teacher opened at this college in Philadelphia, uh, which is when I got a lot. And I'm like, why do you think I'm qualified to teach math at all? Like, what makes you think that? Um, you know, maybe you seem, now to, you, you, seem, you seem to have that air of confidence. I, I pity the kids who, yeah, who want to take I, math I, from me. I have a master's degree in software engineering, but I mostly like forced myself sideways into that by skipping calculus. Um, but I think if, oh, if I, I, that's not good enough. I chose my university partly so that I would suffered. not have to take calculus again because <laughs> it, 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 calculus and I did not agree in in high school. Yeah, uh, so when I when I withdrew from that class, I said to the teacher, "It's not you, it's me." Um, but uh, I think that maybe if you, if we enable users to just be like, "Hey, if you want to hire me for freelance work, like here's my freelance listing or whatever." Um, you know, maybe it'll cut down on the spam. I think I think they're announcing this in in a in a, a nice way, or maybe it's still rumored. But um, I think it could be a real value add, right? Because it's it is as Heather said, it's verified. It's uh, it's not just some like random faceless person on. As far as I'm concerned, Joe, it's an actual. But I just think, oh God, it's LinkedIn. They're just not going to do it the right way, you know. It's right. be done some half ballsy because it's Microsoft. <laughs> well, no, it's kind no, of LinkedIn had no, some issues no. before then, a- and I, I, I mean, I was really I disappointed when they took away the LinkedIn answers uh, yeah. because that was well, a did. that was a really nice feature for being able to you know and help, help people and demonstrate expertise. And it used to have an in, um, inexpensive um, version that you that gave you a lot of the page, and then I cut that out. It's just that no, I think Link, I think Microsoft have left them to their own devices to some extent. Um, but the thing is, I, I think I think it was one of those organisations that needed Microsoft to jump in because I, I think it's like a sleepy estuary, isn't it? What do you reckon, um, Uncle Spencer? Is it a kind of sleepy estuary of business social media? You know, that, what yeah, is my, it? My- so in the early days of, of LinkedIn and the early days of being in WordPress, I really took advantage, I think, of of what LinkedIn offered, which was at the time a sterile business-oriented environment that was free from spam, free from scam, free from fishers or phishing. And you could essentially build an audience of people based upon some level of expertise. It wasn't the publishing tools as much as the ability to curate out people that you could interact with and offer to help them with various things. But where I think they've really dropped the ball, not knowing where or how to monetize it in a certain way, is that, first of all, now it is just a cesspool of phishing. And people, like, imagine you walked out of your house and you're, you're, you're a huge celebrity. You can't leave your house anymore because everybody's going to come up to you and want to take a picture and demand of you. That's what being on LinkedIn is like now. because all day long, you get maybe 500 people a day. The first word out of their mouth is like 4,000 words of pre-made, you know, pitching to me that like what I need from them. I'm like, how about we start with hello? Or how about you identify you know anything about me? But the second problem is that when I tried to use their advanced tools about a year or two ago, I was sorely disappointed at the lost opportunity because if they allowed people for example, like freelancers, to say, I want to be seen in a public directory that other people can filter and sort and, and facet it on, search on for my skill. 
I would be willing to give myself into that directory. But what I am not willing to do is to participate in something that like makes me a target. So as far as this versus Upwork, in Upwork, they're super duper on top of people that try to fish or scam. You will not get spammed or scammed if you're a participant in Upwork. Here you will be massacred. But the problem on the end user side, let's say I'm looking for a freelancer. My God, why don't they make it possible for me to actually, for a reasonable price, get a directory of people that matches the audience I want to reach who have opted into being reachable and let me pay a reasonable amount of money? Because as it was, when I downloaded the stupid thing that they gave me, it was unusable. It was like 5,000 people and I had to go through each one one by one. I couldn't do sorting or filtering or, or anything. So long story short, a lot of missed opportunity when you have a big organization that doesn't have to monetize early that gets sold to another big organization because it seems like they're just in endless meetings trying to figure out what to do with themselves. And in the meantime, you know, it's, uh, what's that? Lord of the Flies on the island. Everybody's running away with it. I I think the move by uh, LinkedIn to offer this contracting service is smart because I think LinkedIn does best when you just accept that LinkedIn is one big networking event where everybody's there to network and that's it. Like, like if, if, if you're okay with that and that is what LinkedIn is, where nobody cares about what you want, they all care about what they want at the end of the day, then like that provides context. And I think moving into this, like here are people that won't work, here are the freelancers, it kind of pushes it into that direction even more. I think the farther you lean into that, the better LinkedIn gets because at least it's identified as like networking, business networking at its like most primal level, if you will. Like just, I'm trying to get what I want and that's it. Um, and, I think and as far I know as like reaching- people who work with corporate clients who've done very well out of LinkedIn and and publishing there and and yeah, so I on. think one of the yeah. things that one of the other areas that puzzles me, you get a lot of people. Um, I was listening to a couple of podcasts um, at the beginning of the week, and they were talking about this. I think it was they were talking about this particularly. It was some um, startups for the rest of us. Um, they were talking about this particular story, and they said, "Oh, I hate." LinkedIn because I get all these emails. Well, I switched it all off and then I put other ways. I just, I, I kind of jump in like, like not every day, but every couple of days I kind of log in just to see. Because um, I get, I, I ask some of my guests to come on the podcast. I'm, I've done that fair bit through LinkedIn, but I just jump in every like couple of days and have a look, you know, what's going on in it. But I switched off all the, you know, I just don't get all this email from them because I switched it all off. So uh, um, I just, I just wondered why don't you just switch it off and then you won't find it so annoying. Um, Well, I I changed my LinkedIn settings to say, basically uh, you have to know my email to send me an invite. It's not hard to find my email. If you can't be arsed uh, to, to look up my yeah. email. Uh, and, and so I don't get like too many. Um, no, uh, I don't. You know, my, my email's all over my website. It's not, it's, I don't exactly hide it. Uh, um, but that's but the difference. Want... Isn't that the difference? I mean, you just said it very well, both of you guys. If you have a website, you should have your your email posted on it. This is 2021, not 1998. It's not like you're going to get, ooh, I've got spam. You've got spam tools. But on LinkedIn, the problem is the signal-to-noise ratio is off the charts. 
somebody who goes to your website looking for Sally Getch or John Denwood or Spencer Foreman or anybody else, they can find my email and email me. There's like nobody that bothers me for that because there's not that many people just going through that effort. But on LinkedIn, it's just people doing this like bing, 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 bing. And nobody's taking a moment to even learn who they're trying to spam. And I think that's where it's jumped the shark is the signal to noise ratio is just made it like, oh, I got to shut everything off now. You know. uh, well, yeah, and I know it was originally built. You know, the 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 founder's idea was to help people like be electronically connected to the people they already knew in real life, and that's not how it ended up being used for the most part. I mean, I stuck to pretty much using it that way. Uh, you know, if I've met, you know, maybe people I've met like online versus in real life, but I don't send invitations to people I don't actually know. And I usually don't accept invitations from people I don't actually know. Oh, there we go. I'm a bit, I'm a bit more available than you, Sandy, but there we go. There we go. Uh, it works for you. So. I just want to add, that's all. I, I just want to add one thing here that I learned a little hack. I think it was on LinkedIn that if you add an emoji in a space, in front of your name, you can quickly learn who's just sending you auto messages because your first name will it'll be like, hey, emoji. Uh, and so that's a really easy way to filter out who's sending you crap and who's genuine. That, that is an awesome, yeah. awesome, awesome tip, by the way. That is really good. Yeah, because I thought you were going to say something else, which is if you want to get somebody's attention in email, even now, you can use an emoji in your you know email title will often the proper one. But I, I'm really, that Any, is like anybody. Anybody that sends me anything with an emoji in it, you're dead. You gotta have like an asterisk or something. But like Joe, that should be like that should be on the headline of today. Like how to avoid (laughs) bots. Because that's awesome. There's one reason to tune in, that was it. Right there. That's pure gold. Well, thank you so much, Stephen. All right, there we go. On to the last story. Um social media's upped its accessibility game. But deaf creators say it has a long way to go. What did you think of this one, Sally? You're muted. I am, yes, because I needed to cough. Um, This caught my eye partly because I'm interested in accessibility anyway. It's an important thing to think about when you're building websites. Um, And I'd also seen uh, some postings uh, actually on, uh, you know, kind of on, on... Twitter and Instagram about um, people who are not deaf making uh, little sign language videos. Uh, And uh, so this particular story is about uh, deaf people in TikTok, which is a very, uh, you know, it's, it's audio visual with music and, and this and that. And, uh, apparently, it's extremely difficult to add any kind of captions or or alt text unless you basically, you know, put them in when you're making the video. And <clears throat> so, uh, you know, there's pressure to uh, do this. And we know that there have been a number of issues in social media, like when Twitter rolled out the audio tweets with no means to understand them if audio is not a channel you can do. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, everything that makes something accessible for people who have disabilities also improves usability for people who don't. You know, I turned on the live captions in my last meetup 
And a lot of people uh, who can hear perfectly well said they like that, that, you know, if if they're late, uh, they can quickly catch up on like what happened before they got there. Uh, and, uh, you know, that it's just helpful in general. So I would say the most, um, you know, that this is really uh, important for people to uh, work on. Uh, and uh, the platforms do need to make it easier to do for people who are, uh, uh, you know, uh, because it can be, people feel like you're asking a lot of them to put alt tags on an image in Twitter, even though it's not very hard to do. Uh, And, you know, they're going to feel like, oh, no, I couldn't, I could not possibly be bothered uh, to make this thing accessible. And you can't really blame them because they're going to TikTok sometimes just to do something fun. Um, but especially if you're trying to use it for business, you want to make it accessible. What do you reckon, Charlie? Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, uh, Sally made a bunch of good points. I, I've This has been more front of my mind, not necessarily on social media because uh, most aggravates me and I just like Instagram now. But um, I, I've seen the the... Uh, accessibility conversation moved to podcasting a lot more recently where uh, kind of the the um, podcast should have transcripts has has been getting more uh, coverage maybe. And I've just seen a lot of podcasters say like, we don't need them, they're expensive, blah, blah, blah. And so I think that any press which is uh, really dumb because they're so good for your seo yeah Um, right yeah i'm like working on an article about that very thing because people ask me how i grew my show and transcripts is part of it um but uh you know i think that anything that kind of gets this uh mainstream coverage uh around accessibility is important right because as as a content creator you want to make sure that you can get your content to anybody who wants to consume it uh, and again, going back to Twitter, you know, Twitter has that description for images that maybe they should bubble up a little more. I see it more in Tweetbot than on the actual website uh, when I use Twitter. Um, but you know, I just, I guess, I, I guess I should say I'm, I'm happy to see more coverage like this because the more people are educated, the more that they'll want, you know, better accessibility features. So what what do you reckon, Heather? Uh, I agree. More accessibility is better. And um, I mean, I I like that most people are adding captions to their uh, uh, updates as well. I mean, even if it sounds weird to us when it's the robotic voice, um, I'd much rather have that um, than than nothing at all. So uh, the more we can build into products that have accessibility, um, the uh, the better it is because I mean you really if you, if you're putting content out there you need to think about the user and um, the majority of people out there um, don't like they can't hear you they can't see you just one one quick thing I know we're we're at time but uh, uh, one of the largest releases we had at Evernote. Um, we had spent a long time making sure this was the most beautiful, the, the most awesome release. Uh, we tested it. Uh, we'd even passed all the accessibility checks, but then it, it actually became a two star in the app store release because um, our, our beautiful, flat, gorgeous layout 
was uh, a, a light shaded green background with a bright green text uh, with uh, white all around it. And uh, most people on, uh, like, I mean, you could see it very well on high def screens, but if, if you were on an older device or uh, if you had even slight eye problems or if you were colorblind, uh, you couldn't see any of this, but it all still passed the accessibility checks, but we didn't catch it because, I mean, we were younger, had good eyesight, all of that. So you really need to think and expand your, your thoughts. So, yeah, just. All right, Liz, uh, um, let's go on to recommendations. And um, panel, can you put them into Slack? Um, uh, obviously, um, is there no, no way to save chat in? Uh, uh, I haven't found it yet, and my technical support Spencer has not given me. I gave you the link yesterday for the uh, browser extension. Oh yes, definitely. I haven't installed it. So installed it. <laughs> I'll be busy. Uh, um, I'm so, busy. Uh, I'll be busy. Uh, um, so put it in Slack at the present moment, and. Um, Joe's one. I, I'll I need some wait. stock shares in StreamYard now for having taken on the job of convincing Jonathan to switch to StreamYard. But it's all I, your. It's all your. It's all. I gotta your drop off. Favorite. I gotta drop off, guys. But uh, my recommendation, real quick, yeah. is Help Scout for the best chat and help support software because they don't support bots and bots kill support. All right, that's right. All right, you have that. He's gone off. Right, he's he's gone. But so let's start with um. Let's start off with mine. Uh, um. So my recommendation is Advanced Access Manager. Um. There's a number of plugins that help you manage and create new user roles in WordPress, and it's always, especially if you're dealing with, um with membership, with learning management systems, access control is always going to be a little bit finicky. And this does a reasonably good job, but there's about two to three of these plugins on the market. Um, Uncle Spencer, have you got anything you want to recommend to the listeners and viewers? Indeed, I do. Actually, um, what uh, I had posted up in here was if you are do my mic's on. If you are doing any kind of screencasting where you're doing video tutorials, um, I have two machines. I have a, a Mac and I have a PC, but I was looking for a replacement for what Is I use on the to Mac. Go with, to go with your two girlfriends. Exactly. It's three now, maybe four, because now there's some this Oculus headset thing that's going on. But anyway, um, so I was looking for something that was as easy to use as ScreenFlow is on the Mac. And I was surprised because this is a case where a company came back from not being wrong, but being very gamey and gimmicky. So on PC, I came and looked back at Camtasia after having you know tried it years ago. And here's why I recommend it to anybody. They changed their pricing model. You pay once a year now, and it's more expensive than it would be, but it's still reasonable. It's like 189 to 250 bucks, depending on what your setup is as a student or a business and so forth. But unlike all the other stuff, even on a little tiny, I have like what you call an NUC Windows machine. It's just a little like the size of a pack of cigarettes, no graphics card. Even with that, I'm able to have full-blown multi-screen, you know, screen, multi-camera editing with the voice in sync and all the effects and everything. But yet you could start using it literally in two minutes with 
So it combines that perfect amount of like easy to use and it works to make it happen with your YouTube video with, oh, I want to do more later. And the reason I did it is because most of the videos I've been making have been using a free product called Loom, which you can actually pay for. But the difference with Loom is that it's spontaneous, but you embed your camera and whatever into the image and the video is just done. There's no editing afterwards. And like many of us, I wanted to have the ability to just do some things. So anyway, long story short, anybody who's trying to do it, I would start here because there's a lot of competitors out there, but a lot of them are just either too complex or overkill. That's good news about the pricing. I've used Camtasia and, and liked it. And it's, you know, it, it, it's really the only video editing tool I understand at all. Yeah. I mean, it's really point and click. I mean, there's more, but it's point and click if you just want it to be at that layer. So, Sally, if you want to recommend to this as in views? Uh, yes, my recommendation for today is the magic email. Um, and it's not new, but I only uh, saw somebody mention it on, um, I think it was Business of WordPress Slack uh, um, yesterday or the day before. And uh, it's basically, if you have clients ghosting you, uh, these are the words that, that will uh, that, uh, likely get you a response. Um, so it's at themagicemail.com. Uh, mm -hmm. And I presume you can use it on people who are not clients. Uh, as well, but um, uh, it, it makes I, most, I just, I, most, most sense in a business context. I just like the name, the magic email, puff the magic drag. And, oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, um, so That's a good psychology. Yes. Um, John, have you got anything you want to recommend to the listeners of yours? Yeah. So uh, this is a plugin from my friends at Red 8 Interactive. And it's called Tracking Script Manager. Now you can use this for more than just analytics or AdWords or tags or uh, Facebook Pixel. You can actually add any type of scripts or code. And uh, the reason why I'm recommending this too, they told me that they were uh, had this plugin and they wanted to uh, test it out for Schema. So you can use this to output Schema uh, code into your um, HTML and it will work really good. And apparently, too, it also it, you're able to um, rearrange scripts. So there might be a way to uh, defer certain things for page speed as well. So there's many different things that you could do with this. Oh, sounds good to yeah. me. And Joe, have you got anything you want to recommend? You can put it put it into chat, Joe, and then my assistant. The second spent. <laughs> yeah, second so if you would, I'd be happy to press the button if you put it uh, in there. Yes, I, uh, I did put it in there. I was going to recommend something else, but based on Spencer's recommendation, um, there's a, a nice little utility app that I discovered through Brian Richards um, called Recut. And it basically, you drop a video in there or you can do a, a screencast and you set some settings and it'll automatically cut out silence of a certain length. Um, so if you have long pauses in your videos, you want to tighten up recut does this super duper easily. I recorded a couple of talking head videos recently where uh, I had like some silence at the beginning while I pressed, like turn the camera on and at the end where I smile too long to make sure that I have time to like add my end screen uh, and recut, just cut all of that out. Uh, it also cuts out like if I clap, it's it's a short enough flip um, that it'll cut all of that extra stuff out. So recut, it's like 30 bucks and it makes uh, the first phase of video editing 
a, a lot easier for me. I'm a big fan of it. Interestingly, oh, wow. they're showing the screenshot of it doing its business on ScreenFlow, which is pretty interesting. It, it exports to like ScreenFlow and Final Cut or just audio. So if you want to like edit a podcast, uh, edit long pauses out of podcasts, you can right. do that too. I forgot to mention that, but like you can export it as an MP4 at, or as a ScreenFlow file, which is amazing. Oh, I, I, I didn't get to say anything of this, but I want to add one thing real quick before we go, is that regarding the deaf story, um, I... Uh, my mom is foundationally hard of hearing and wears hearing aids and I'm 54. I wear hearing aids. They've improved my life for some time because I have a mid-range hearing loss from being a pilot and some other things. So one of the things interesting about the technology part of this is that in my family around here, my kids have perfect hearing. We always have the, the, the titles on. But what's happened now is that virtually every piece of software and every kind of smart device and every kind of television now not only have the ability to auto-generate or, you know, they've been curated, the things, but they're also integrating with one another. And what I predict is going to happen very shortly, and it's so useful, is that the technology will just solve this problem so that if you are hard of hearing, you will have the ability either to just see the stuff you want no matter where you go. If you're visually impaired, you'll obviously be able to hear it. But even cooler is when I went in for a hearing test recently, they did a bone conductivity test, which meant that it wasn't even using my ears. They just put the thing on my uh, the back of my skull. And I was freaked out in a pleasant way because of how perfect it sounded, even though it wasn't going through my ears. So I think the combination of like wearable devices, AI, the software, all these unfortunate conversations we're having in 2021 about accessibility and who's doing what, they're all just going to kind of like blend away because there's a huge financial incentive for all the companies to make their, their marketing available to everybody. Yeah, yeah I agree. Heather, have you got a recommendation, Heather? Uh, yes. So uh, my recommendation is, uh, is an uh, app that you can use in uh, either WhatsApp or uh, iMessage. Um, it's called Kai, uh, and it is a daily uh, coach. Uh, so right now, like it'll send you daily, uh, messages, uh, to depending on what your goal is to help you along your, your path. Um, and as a coach, uh, I've tried this out to, to see how it does. Um, and it, I mean, it really helps you with your journaling on, on your goals. I mean, it's, it doesn't replace like a, uh, like a full-time, uh, coach, but it really is very helpful, um, to like so if if you're not motivated and I know a year into to covid uh, a lot of us are having that uh having the doldrums so um I think Kai is uh is a good app for you to try out. Well, that sounds interesting. Well, thank you. Thank you panel. Um I'm going to let you um introduce yourself out. Um let's start with our guest Joe. So Joe, what's the best way for people to find out more about you and what you're up to Joe? Yeah, if you want to learn about me, you can head over to Casabona.org. I'm also uh, Jay Casabona on most social networks, but Instagram has been my favorite lately because I'm least aggravated when I go on Instagram. <laughs> I, I, I mostly follow in, uh, uh, cat pictures on Instagram. So yes, it's it's generally not irritating. Um, Heather, what's the best way to find out more about you and, and your whispering? I'm Heatheriel everywhere. So, on all of the things. All right. And, John, what's the best way to find out more about you and what you're up to? 
You can find me at lockdownseo.com. Also on my YouTube channel, just search John Locke SEO or Lockdown SEO. They'll find it. Sally, what's the best way to find out more about you and what you're up to? I am at Sally Getch uh, in most places and at WP Fangirl in the rest of them. Uh, and you will definitely find me on LinkedIn. And Uncle Spencer, what's the best way to find out more about you and what you're up to? Well, I'm going to encourage all of our panelists next time to just type in the comments and then you can just put this up because I think when people see the video, they can go see where you're at. But you can find me at WPLaunchify.com. Um, and if you are one of those people that I was referring to today where you've got, like you're trying to start it in WordPress and you fundamentally do not even know where to begin, go to WP Launchify for free and do a self-analysis and it'll show you all the, the right plugins to match with your particulars. We put in some logic and AI stuff there to help you out. Um, if you have questions, you're welcome to ask as well. It's a great, it's a great resource. Well, thank you so much, panel. I think it's been a great show. Thanks, listeners and viewers. Join us next week. You can join us live on Facebook or YouTube and you'll be able to post questions, remarks, insult me. Uh, be nice to the panel, though. Um, <laughs> um, we'll see you next week, folks. Bye. Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic Podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week.